Hello, I'm your host, Jennifer Adams, and welcome to the Signature Leadership Podcast by Knowledge Hook, a podcast where we explore the topics most relevant to senior education leaders around the world. As we head into 2022, I think we're all looking for a little inspiration. Here's a story that will remind us about the influence a teacher can have on students living in difficult, desperate conditions. Our next guest was one of those students. In today's episode, we meet Juan Manuel Lopera, the founder and CEO of Tomi. Tomi is a digital device that is now providing millions of children and their teachers with offline learning where internet is not available. The impact of Juan Manuel's entrepreneurship alone makes this an incredible story. But from an educator's perspective, what makes this story even more compelling is that Juan Manuel Lopera emerged from the violent streets of Medellin, Colombia in the 1990s. And he says he owes it all to his middle school math teacher. Hello, Juan Manuel. It is thrilling to have you here on our podcast with us today. Jennifer, thank you so much for inviting me. I really expect that my story and everything I have to tell could be inspiring for all the teachers who are listening to it. Juan Manuel, that's exactly why we're having this follow-up conversation. For the audience, Juan Manuel was on a roundtable about a month ago and talking about social-emotional learning and entrepreneurship. And I had a number of people that reached out to me afterwards and said, that is such an inspiring story. And uh, one actually mentioned that she wanted to be sharing that with a, a math association because she thought that the teachers would be really happy to know that they are having an influence on people out there. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, my pleasure. My pleasure. I had the thrill of meeting you uh, probably about a year ago, Juan Manuel, with some work that I'm doing with Knowledge Hook, a, a digital math company. And I was so impressed by your story. And for the audience's sake, they haven't had the opportunity to meet you. So tell us a little bit about your background. Of course, Jennifer, my background starts in one of the most violent cities in the world during the 90s. I grew up in Medellin, in Colombia. Probably everybody knows that uh, Medellin was a, a city with a lot of problematics around narco-traffic, Pablo Escobar, and other negative leaders we had here. And I was growing up in one of the most violent neighborhoods in the most violent city in the world. So it was a huge challenge for me. But I also, I also say that it was a huge challenge for my teacher, too, because all of you that are in classrooms and our teachers, you know, that every one of the people that is growing up in our classrooms is our, like, responsibility. So we have the challenge for transforming the reality everyone is living while they're growing up in our classrooms. So I grew up in this neighborhood and in the middle of the violence, I, I lost a lot of family members because they were killed without any real reason for, for killing someone. I, I really think that there's no any reason for killing someone, but in this case, it's worth like little micro extortion payment for $1 per week, and they didn't have the money for pay it, so someone killed them. So that's the scenario where a kid probably, be, I don't know, get inspiration for get a hitman or for getting any kind of violent attitude for the life. However, I had a good 
a scenario uh, for me because there, there was a, a teacher when I was 12 that decided to change my reality and inspired me to become an entrepreneur when I finished my high school. I didn't uh, go to the college because I didn't have the money to do so. However, I had the inspiration from my teacher for starting a company. I sold this company when I, when I was 19. And finally, I dedicated my life to create a company for teachers, to, to, to support teachers in emerging countries, to like repeat my own story millions of times. Juan Manuel, it is heartbreaking to imagine a child like going through your childhood. And uh, of course, many of the teachers and the educators that listen to these podcasts, they have children coming from maybe not the same environment, but difficult environments as well. And it is incredible to hear your story of what it was like in Medellin and in the neighborhood that you were growing up and knowing that somehow you were able to get out of that and that it was thanks to some amazing teachers and a particular teacher that you refer to. Let's turn to talking about that math teacher. So you were 12 years old. I'm assuming you were in middle school and going home every day to a neighborhood that was very violent and, and difficult. And yet this teacher somehow impacted you. Tell me a little bit about the characteristics of this teacher. There is something very special in this teacher because probably it's the same in Canada or around the world that in mathematics, it's not exactly the more inspiring topic the students want to be part of. You know, so that was the same thing. Most of my of my classmates didn't like mathematics. However, the teachers figured it out the way for taking time from our after school's time. I mean, instead of going to a corner in the neighborhood for, I don't know, smoking marijuana or something like that, my teachers inspired us to stay in the school and just for exploring any passion we had. So we started loving mathematics uh, because this teacher. However, I think the most important thing is that this teacher was trying to be involved in our passions. I mean, he tried to understand what is the real passions each one of us had. And I, I really think this teacher has the empathy for understanding the, even the problematic, the family problematics we had and try to support us personally, not only for learning mathematics. I, I really think that's the big difference from an inspiring teacher. I can uh, only imagine the educators that are listening to this, Juan Manuel, because your background is not education, but you've keyed into about three things that we spend a lot of time talking about. First of all, the idea of connecting with every student's passion. What are they passionate about and how do we try to connect and, and wrap our learning around their passions? The second thing that you talked about, and, and I know that this exists in, in lots of schools across Canada and, and around the world, is this idea of, you know, what are those children doing after school and how does the school system and the community have opportunities after school in the school building? Because that might be the safest building for those children. And how do they come up with times that and programs that will bridge students so that they're spending more time in a safe place learning good skills? And the last thing that you mentioned was the idea of empathy. 
And I think, you know, particularly in these times, lots of kids struggling and families struggling, that whole concept of a teacher as an empathetic partner for the child is really important. I find it amazing that someone like you, that your background is not education, but you zeroed in on three factors that we know from an academic standpoint, there's empirical research that says that all of those factors make a difference. Yes, Jennifer, you know, I really think that every human being is going to learn how to make a, I don't know, an equation or making a multiplication or adding or something, hard skills we, of course, need for living. However, the, the, the soft skills is what really matters, is what really change our reality and make us entrepreneurs or make us a good person or, or, or make us like think about the others around us and, and how to improve the life quality or something like that. So the hard skills are important. Of course. However, as teachers, we need to think about all the social emotional skills and all that soft skills students need to overcome all the challenge they are going to face on their lives. It's comforting to us, Juan Manuel, that you're mentioning that because, you know, I think teachers intuitively have always known that we had to think about the soft skills and think about developing those developmental skills that children, you know, are gaining as they go through their childhood and into early adolescence. But it's really nice for us to hear from the private sector, from business leaders, from entrepreneurs, that you as well think that those skills are important. When you think back to the time with that math teacher, what are some of the skills that he helped you develop as a 12-year-old? And how did those skills continue on into adulthood? I'm not sure if I'm going to express this in English as well as I could do it in Spanish, because the most important thing that my teacher teaches us was that who told us that it was that most of the people had like self-starting. I mean, that like the, the capacity for starting something. Right. Having an idea and starting something. Mm-hmm. However, this teacher uh, talked about the like self-completion, like how you could think how to take your ideas and become it into reality. Because the most of us, we were growing in a very hard scenario where every idea never comes up, never, actually, you never come through your dreams, you know? Yeah. So these teachers like sold to us or told us that we can become any dream into reality. So I really think that that's like self-completion attitude is very important. Like he make us feel that we are capable to think everything we, we think we want to. Like you said, Juan Manuel, the idea of coming up with an idea is obviously the first step, but to be able to actually make that idea into a reality is another skill set, right? Starting something off, having that early idea, and then bringing it, going through the steps to make it a reality and finishing something, that completion aspect of things. And, you know, that's a process that suits us well in our personal life, in our schooling, and in our work lives, no matter what area that we end up going into. And I think the fact that, you know, you were coming from such, as you described it, a place where dreams didn't come true very often, and that you didn't have a lot of 
modeling for what does that look like when someone has an idea, they do hard work, and they complete something. The fact that he was able to inspire that in you and in others is really quite extraordinary. Yes, yes. I, I really think that's the most important. And other soft skills like self-learning, for example, I, I really think that the most uh, like it's successful people from this generation of students, from this teacher, all of us are self-learners. Mm -hmm. Most of us didn't go to the university because there is an area for going to the college here in Colombia. However, um, we have all like self-learning attitude and we started learning at night. At, uh, every time we were like studying something and learning something new related to our passion, using our after school time for learning something new. So I really think that that was all the important skill this teacher gave us. That idea of self-motivation and lifelong learning has been, there's lots of empirical research that shows that students that develop that love for learning and willingness to search out learning and have a real agency, the self-agency to be able to be looking for their learning and, and creating their own learning is a really important piece. And actually, Juan Manuel, I think the pandemic is helping us understand even more about that because we used to, you know, in many of our school systems, of course, rely, you know, almost uniquely to the formal education that was happening in schools. And I think what's happened over the last two years is that those of us that we're in very strong school systems, have realized it's really pushed us to be thinking about, well, where can learning take place? And it can take place at home and the kids can be self-directed. And, um, you know, I think we're making some headway in that. And uh, I think you were ahead of your time in that department. Uh, Jennifer, you know, I, I really think that learning happens everywhere. You need to have a learning attitude again when you're walking on, in the street and you have any offer from a bad guy that is offering you drugs or something like that, that's a place you need to remember the inspiration from your teacher. I, I really think that what happened inside a classroom is just a, a small part of what is happening in the life of the, of the students and the, the learning process they're having. However, I really think that the, the education needs to happen in person. So there, there need to be a place where teachers and students get together and have social, emotional interactions and develop themselves and you as human beings, not as machines behind a, a, a screen. Of course, pandemic forces us to do this kind of things. However, I really think that at least in K to 12, the in-person education is, is very important. It's really reassuring to hear you say that, uh, Juan Manuel, because... You know, I think all of us as educators, we know the magic that happens when children and teachers are together and they're face to face and they're interacting. And the way that schooling looks now is nothing like what it looked like, you know, a, a couple of decades ago. The kids are interacting and the teachers are facilitating that learning and kids are taking responsibility. But it's that social interaction that is so important. And uh, I think all of us are very anxious to get back to the days where we can count on that happening. Let's turn our conversation to Tommy. So, you know, one of the things that I found fascinating when I met you, Juan Manuel, was that you had become an entrepreneur. And, and as an educator, you know, I spent most of my career in the public sector. And I certainly in the last few years have interacted more with the business sector and the private sector. But 
entrepreneurs are a category even one step farther because like you said you didn't have a a long post-secondary formal education you decided to create your own companies tell us a little bit about the first company that you developed at 19 and then let's dive into Tommy what you're doing now Jennifer as you said probably as entrepreneur you have like the flexibility for trying different things than the state and the government the public schools it can do so in the most of the cases the, the minister of education has a, a 10 years plan for making any change while you are a, an entrepreneur you can create a company and start making changes in, in the from the first years you start doing this incredible when i created my first company i was 21 years old and this company in spanish is aulas amigas which is friendly classrooms and our purpose was engaging teachers in emerging countries is it's sad but most of teachers are teachers because they are obligated to be a teacher because they don't have another options than, be, than being a teacher so most of them don't have like they don't have the inspiration for for or the vocational sense for making for being a teacher so this first company i created was focused on engaging teachers and motivating them for playing that so important role of being a teacher and how to discover in technology uh, a, a good strategy for making innovation in education so we passed from five people to 300 people working for teachers in colombia and most of the countries in latin america we created a, a special met methodology going into a rural area school where a teacher never saw a computer before and we engaged them and motivate them for making innovation education learning how to use a computer but also how to use a the smart board how to create contents how to make like project-based learning how to make documentation of the learning projects they created and so on so we finally mobilized up to 100,000 teachers in latin america in rural areas mainly to make innovation in education with this first company Juan Manuel, the audience can now see how thrilled I was to meet you because, of course, we started talking about Aulas Amigas and the work that that company did as you started it when you were only 21 years old. And it is still existing now and thriving and helping teachers, like you said, make sure that they have the resources and the professional learning, the training to be able to become the best teachers that they can be. And it was that story alone was inspiring and uh, very interesting from someone like myself from the public sector, seeing the potential of the partnerships between public sector formal education systems and entrepreneurs like yourself that have ways of making scalability to make sure that we get to more teachers than we have been able to in the past. The potential, uh, the future of education is incredible. When we think of entrepreneurs, ed tech and formal education systems working together, it's incredible what we'll be able to do for the students out there that in the past have not had access to teachers with that type of professional learning and or resources and students having access to those resources as well. In most of these scenarios with governments in Latin America, they already try different things for improving education or make, uh, and how to 
motivate innovation in education. However, I think that the main mistake they did was forgetting the teachers. So they thought that they just sit down in a round table and think about the next strategies for education in the next 10 years. And they think that teachers is just like a small part of the machine for creating a good education. However, Aulas Amigas and friendly classrooms, what we think is that teachers is in the center of the education and anything that is going to happen in education need to happen through the teachers. So we need to support teachers to give them all the autonomy for making changes in their classrooms if it's needed, in the pedagogical strategies, in didactic strategies. So everybody needs to be around what teachers need and not just forcing teachers or obligating the teachers to do something that the government wants they do, you know? It's so true, Juan Manuel, and uh, there is a ton of empirical research that says that the number one influencer on student achievement is the quality of the teacher in the classroom. And, and to hear you acknowledge that and to know that you created a company that was based exactly on that, that's one thing that I've learned, you know, moving into ed tech over the last few years. Ed tech, the old antiquated stance was that they could do things better than teachers and they could kind of skip over teachers and go directly to the students. And as a superintendent in a large school district walking through classrooms, I knew that that was not the right approach. It was really obvious. And I think what's exciting about ed tech moving forward is that there's an acknowledgement. We've got ed tech that is teacher facing. It is designed to be supporting the teacher and building the teacher skill set so that they can be doing the job that they need to be doing with teachers. And I think that's revolutionary. And that's what will bring education systems forward when we look at it that way. Ed tech supporting teachers in their development and their ability to work with kids. I, I really think that the charter way for trying a transformation, of course, this is keeping teachers. That's a short way for trying it. So many startups just try to create a content and they say that that content is, is the better content you can see. So right. that content would be teach mathematics, for example, very well. And you don't need a teacher to do so because the content is so great. So that's a very common like message. However, that's not a way for creating a systematic change. Absolutely. The real systematic change in education is improving the quality of teachers, giving them the autonomy for trying things. And after that, probably that's going to take a little bit longer. But at the end, it's going to be a systematic change that is going to remain forever, you know? So I, I really think that, that everybody will really realize that. And they really realize how much money they waste in technology without thinking in teachers and companies like knowledge book already knew that of course you need to be a round of teachers and it's not only creating content for students it's creating methodologies and training for teachers to supporting them for making the real transformation in education teachers are the key and will be the key forever oh juan manuel it makes my heart smile as i hear you talk it's great to hear your reflections tell us about tommy tommy is your new entrepreneurial project and tell us about it the audience will be fascinated to hear what you're doing here tommy is my main task every day today so tommy is the result of 10 years of aulas amigas of friendly classrooms 
we understood what really teachers need in terms of technology for making this autonomy think. I mean, so this is the way teachers can just create their own contents, collaborate between them and overcoming the challenges like not connectivity in a school or too much connectivity in a school because in some cases, even when they're connectivity, so this is a big distractor students and, and teachers prefer to design very like more guided or more controlled as in areas in some cases. So we thought, what is the tool teachers need for making innovation in education? And we try to put all of this in a box. So like a very simple tool or very simple assistant for teachers making innovation in education. So Tommy finally is a platform. So you can think in Tommy like a, something similar to Kahoot or Quizzes or Quizlet. So it's a platform for using templates for creating gamified classes. Mm-hmm. But the most important with Tommy, two things. The first one is that we have a free device that we give to teachers that simulates internet access, even in those rural areas where you don't have internet access at all, or even you don't have cell phone or something for getting online. And Tommy just turns on a Wi-Fi and synchronized version of our platform inside the device allows students to use any device to connect to Tommy and to navigate into any content teachers preloaded or any class flow the teacher already designed connected to internet and synchronized into Tommy. So it's a way for giving the students the enough internet that Tommy recovers or take all the metrics of the interactions of, of students and give reports to teachers about what happened in the classroom, like being connected to internet. So this is like a fake connection to internet just for giving enough access to students. And the second thing is that we have a huge community of thousands and thousands of teachers collaborating between them. You know, that's something special that there are some teachers in in the States, for example, that are using Tommy in their classes in a very well-constructed classrooms with internet and so on. However, there is a teacher in India, in a very rural and poor school in India, using content created by teachers in the States. So while a a teacher in the States is using Tommy for creating their classes, they are supporting other teacher that don't have the same resource than them. They said in, in, in Bangalore, for example. So this is a collaboration between teachers that had a lot of things to give with teachers that don't have many resources and skills for creating contents and creating good classes. Juan Manuel, when I heard you talk about Tommy, I didn't know the the product. And when you walked me through it for the first time, I was completely blown away. And, you know, certainly as I've begun to work in countries throughout LATAM and through other parts of the world, connectivity is not a given. There are lots of schools that don't have connectivity. And there's lots of homes, of course, that don't have connectivity. And that challenge of making sure that all children and all teachers have access to what's happening as far as learning resources and and learning materials is a real one globally. And to realize that your company had created a device that would essentially enable those areas, those schools to be able to connect and to be 
you know, taking advantage of what's going on in the outside world. That blew me away. But the second part is what you were talking about at the end. Their teachers, by their nature, are wanting to contribute. That's why they get into the profession. They want to help kids develop. Many throughout North America and in other very well-developed education systems, they realize that they have access to things that other teachers wouldn't have globally. And I think there's a whole concept around this idea of contribution, not just contributing to the students that are in front of you every day, but contributing to other professionals, other teaching professionals around the world that don't have access. I think that that's an amazing thing. And, you know, at the end of the day, people say that the level of satisfaction with your job is your being able to contribute. And I think Tommy is doing an amazing job of creating that network of educators and teachers that are supporting each other. I think that's incredible. I think education needs to create diversity or recognize the diversity, especially the cultural diversity we have around the world. So I really love to see how a teacher in Bogota has a very different view of the world from a teacher that lives in Medellin or lives in Cartagena, even inside the same country. I really love that diversity. However, the education doesn't need to generate like inequity or inequality. Juan Manuel, you're bringing up the whole concept of equity and equity of access to learning resources and to professional learning, both for students and for their teachers. And Tommy is playing a really important role there. I think it will be absolutely revolutionary in helping make sure that our teachers globally have access to the conversations and the resources that they need to have. You know, I think it's important that teachers there in North America need to know that most of the teachers in Latin America just ended their high school. So as you go at K-12 school in Canada, probably you're going to find masters or doctors giving classes to students. Here, you're going to find someone that only finished their high school. So that's the starting point for inequality. So what I really think that technology needs to do is opening these scenarios for collaboration, for contribution, that I'm fully sure because, I, because I'm actually seeing that this is happening, is that doctors in North America are willing to support teachers in Latin America. Just while they're using Tommy for creating their amazing classes, they know that they actually they're helping and supporting a lot of teachers, thousands of teachers in Latin America. I'm thinking of the many teachers that I worked with over my career, and I can just picture so many of them being thrilled with the opportunity to be creating to the professional learning of other teachers globally. Like you said, that didn't have the pre-service training that uh, our teachers have here and haven't had those opportunities. So I can only imagine that that will be very, very well received. And I'm sure lots of teachers throughout North America will be very interested in, in looking into Tommy. Let's end off the conversation, Juan Manuel, based on what you experienced when you were in the classroom. How should teachers and school leaders be thinking of entrepreneurialism? How can we encourage, how can we help our students develop those skills? What's some advice that you would have for educators to be thinking of developing the next generation of entrepreneurs? 
being an entrepreneur is not just like creating a company. It's trying to do the best with your life or giving something to the community you are growing up in. So what I really think that what teachers need to do and every school need to do is generating awareness in their students about their community and the needs in the world. I think this new generation of humans that are growing up in our schools are humans thinking of the sustainability of the world and how to eradicate the poverty in the world. So that's a huge challenge we have as humanity. So every people need from any place they are, if they're going to be a president or they're going to be a CEO in a company, or if they're going to be a good employee in, in any, any corporation. So from any place they're going to be working on, they could be a good entrepreneur working for, for the humanity and working for, for good. So I really think that's the starting point. We need to stop teaching just math, as we say. We need to, to teach the people how to, to be a good people, how to contribute with others and so on. I, I really think that social emotional skills are the most important thing beyond any other hard skill we could develop. So I really think that every school needs to be focused on that beyond any other hard skill. Juan Manuel, it is absolutely inspiring hearing your story. And I remember when we were talking on the roundtable, you differentiated between, you know, many of us, when we think of entrepreneurs, we think of you know, Silicon Valley, where someone went in and they did an amazing project and they were, you know, it was, it was very capitalist based. And what you described was social entrepreneurialism and the idea of entrepreneurs creating something that actually gives back to the community and, and helps humanity in their quest to uh, help make the world a better place. And uh, what a great way of looking at entrepreneurship and I think uh, teachers will be inspired after hearing your story, knowing that they have a role to play in helping our students develop those skills. For sure. Once again, I think teachers are the starting point. I cannot find another factor or, or another like protagonist in this story. I really think that every story starts with a teacher. So if every teacher who is listening to us right now are aware of that and they remember how this role is important for the humanity. So, so I, I think this, this message is going to be accomplishing the goal we have or, or today. It, it's remembering teachers how important this role is. Juan Manuel, you have ended off on such a happy and inspirational point. Uh, I think at this point in time, with uh, two years into a pandemic, we all needed a little inspiration. Thank you for sharing your story, and we look forward to hearing from you again in the future. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thanks to Juan Manuel for joining our podcast today and for sharing his inspirational story from hardship to happiness and success as an entrepreneur. And he credits this changed life experience to a middle school math teacher. This is a reminder of the important role that educators play in the lives of all students, but particularly in the lives of the most vulnerable. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may be interested in a roundtable called SEL and Entrepreneurship, where Juan Manuel was a featured panelist. You can find it on the Knowledge Hook Signature Leadership Portal. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time for a podcast with well-known British academic Alma Harris. 
She'll be sharing her thoughts on distributive leadership and beyond. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.